Okay. First off, a welcome to Kyle. Welcome. Hey, Kyle. Kyle sat through his first Torah ceremony this morning, prayer service, and didn't run out. Pretty impressive. It doesn't happen every day. It doesn't happen every day. That's true. It doesn't happen every moment. Yeah. So, um, we, uh, we traditionally, traditionally, will thank and bless God for the food which he provides for us prior to eating. This is, of course, simply a tradition. Yes? yes. But, the, uh, but the truth of the matter is that we are actually commanded to bless, and that is thank God after we eat, lest we get full, but still trim, and forget God. So let's bless God together. We'll sing the traditional blessing. Just kind of hum along if you know the tune. Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech Olam Azan Etoholah Kulo Betulo Bechem Bechesed Rachamim Kudotem Lechem Amen. Also stop too. Outstanding. Outstanding. Good job, Andy. Yeah. That was um, Andrea. Upham. She is single. Although very young right now. For those listening from faraway lands like Gastonia. That's right. Okay, so uh, just a little housekeeping today. Uh, we are in uh, the beginning of the month of June, and in fact, as of sundown tonight, we begin the month of Tammuz, Rosh Kodesh Sameach. Thank you. <laughs> Only one. Okay. All right. So, um, two two different things with regard to this. First of all, as we as we step into Tammuz, we we're stepping into a time of sadness, a time where we look back and and remember with sadness, some desperate times. In the month of Tammuz, we have a traditional, not a mandated, but a traditional fast. What date would that be on? The 17th of Tammuz. So, Tammuz. And what is it we're fasting and remembering? The siege of Jerusalem. Yes, this is the breaching of the walls as Jerusalem is under siege from? Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar, which is, is is really typical to say in Hebrew, isn't it? I, I was just saying it could be Rezer. Yeah. Oh, it could be, yeah. That's right. Okay, yeah. So that begins a three-week period of great sadness, which ends with another fast in the next month, on the ninth of Av, the ninth of Av, and we celebrate. 
well, I beg your pardon, we, we remember with sadness and fast in the ninth of Av for the destruction of the temple and the golden calf. Tammuz is also for the sin of the spies. The sin of the spies that we just read about two weeks ago. So that was Tammuz. That's Tammuz is the spies and the siege, and Av is the destruction of the temple and the golden calf. So we've, we've got this period of sadness. This is a great time of introspection. What month comes after Av? What month comes after Av? It is Elul. What is the last month in the calendar? The one after Elul. <laughs> it's not. It's Elul. Elul is the month in which we'll blow the shofar every single day leading up to looking for repentance, leading up to Rosh Hashanah. Okay? So that's the time period we're in on God's calendar. So that's, that's that calendar. On this calendar, June, um, I am need to remind you that uh, each year, Bellatora does not meet on the second and fourth Shabbats in July. There is a number of reasons for this. Foremost, of course, is that Mrs. Squitcherini needs a break. Thank you, Mrs. Squitcherini. Wants one. Doesn't need one. That's good. That's good. Thank you, son. Another reason is it deserves one. Absolutely. Who says amen? Amen. Okay. As I understand it, the Uppams will be in Texas, God's country, for a lot of July. So, how could we meet? But I do want to uh, open open the door of opportunity. Hear that knocking? If you desire to have all the lovely people in which, whose presence you are sitting now, at your home on the second and or the fourth Shabbat of July, or any of them, or any of them, uh, if you'd like to do that, just see me afterwards, and and we can coordinate that and publicize that so that July is still an opportunity. You don't have to have a prayer service if you don't want to. You don't have to have the portion discussion. If you, you can do both. You can do either one. You can just have everybody over up for Oneg if you want. But if, if you want to do that, if you want the blessing and the fellowship opportunity, see me and we'll publicize it. If not, that's okay. We won't be meeting in July. Questions? Comments? Anything there? I'm calling Gabby. While we're talking about calendar. Yes, calendar. Go, yes. Uh, just kind of a save the date, and we'll get we'll send out a little informal save the date notice so everybody gets it, and we'll send out a more formal invitation as we get closer. But September 28th, please, if you are available, we'd love you to attend and celebrate with us the bat mitzvah of our daughter Andrea. So September 28th, um, that will be at the Hilton. So, um, but we'll get. I just while we're talking calendar just to kind of get it on everybody's radar. Um, and that will be that will be the, the, the Shabbat following um, Sukkot and Simcha Torah. That next Shabbat, her, her birthday is actually Simcha Torah, so her Bat Mitzvah Shabbat is uh, uh, Shabbat Bereshit. So, Great way to start. <laughs>
So, uh, but anyway, so we would certainly love to have all of you come encourage her to celebrate with us. So just kind of a save the date, September 28th. And you can bring 50 of your closest friends. Uh, <laughs> and we'll be having a bar mitzvah the Thanksgiving weekend, November. So These are coming up. We'll get those out onto the calendar. We'll get uh, Morgan to, uh, where is Morgan? Morgan is here. Morgan is, Morgan is here. <laughs> whoa, whoa. Yes. And Morgan, uh, if you will. Uh, is, the, uh, is, the one, is that a Bellator week? It sounds like it's the fourth week. So are you, like, is the that probably is the fourth week. Are you doing the Torah service? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. Well, they have to, and and he is too. So in both of those cases, we're just meeting in a different venue. We do not yet have a venue, but we may use the center. Okay, so there we go. Just to avoid confusion, all this works. Good. Yes, ma'am. Those will be on the meetup page. They will be on the meetup. You'll get absolutely notified. You bet. Roger and Juicy. Roger and Juicy. Yeah, Roger and. What about Roger and Juicy? Roger and Juicy are moving tomorrow. That's my next announcement. But thank you, Marianne, for bringing that up. Okay, good, good segue. So, uh, Parashat Korach. Did I get that on? Sorry. Um, Numbers chapter 16. Before we begin uh, a line-by-line exegesis of some type of the uh, portion, um, I would like a few people to share with me why I believe that this portion alone is absolutely top shelf as far as teaching us about God, about his Messiah, about his chosen people, about his chosen one. This has so much in it. We could talk, in my opinion, till tomorrow morning with no problem and not recover any ground. Why is this portion so very important? Must not be that important. Our God is a consuming fire. He is a consuming fire. He was then and he is today. He simply chooses to withhold his wrath for a time. Excellent. Yes, sir. Is it cheating if I was there last night when you... No, no, please. Yeah. The fact that you are related to me now is a blessing, okay. not a curse. <laughs> Today. Okay. Well, certainly one of the aspects of this portion that's significant is how much emphasis is placed on the resurrection of something. Amen. In this case, it's Aaron's staff, which is just a dead piece of wood, mm-hmm. and God uses the the raising of that back to life to prove that he is the priest. Precisely. And the, the resurrection is the proof that God uses to validate the message and the messenger. Mm-hmm. If that doesn't speak Messiah Yeshua to you, you've missed something dramatic. More? Good. Excellent. One of the things I got was that he means what he says. You know, it seems to be something that's been missed in a few of the churches I visited. Yeah, he does mean what he says. Seriously? Good. Yes, what else? Yes, ma'am. Even in his judgment, there's mercy. And we see that in several places here, and we're going to look at that. Extraordinary, in fact. Um... Remind me when we get to one of those that Moses didn't have a clue what to do when the, when the two guys showed up 
and they had touched, they had buried a friend. And they said, why should we miss Passover? This is a great thing. We want to be a part. We can't. Why should we miss out? And Moses goes, well, you know, that's a great question. I don't know. You stay here. I'll go ask God, which is really something I'd like to be able to do on a regular basis. How cool is that? I'll just go ask God. And he does. She didn't know what to do. In this case, we're going to come across one demonstrating God's grace where he knew immediately and almost supernaturally ahead of time what needed to be done. Yes, sir? The instruments of God in the wrong hand can bring destruction. Oh. But in the right hands, they bring deliverance and life. life. Amen. And God can use evil men in the same way. That's exactly right. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Uh, what really stood out with me also was about the ministry of intercession, you know, like, because as soon as Moses interceded, I mean, God's like, I'm going to whack, that's it. And then yes. Moses would intercede, would present the case to be justified. Uh, you know, like it says in the word, like, present your case that you may be justified. And then God would go, okay. So that, that just, that I think is comforting for all of us, that as we intercede for each other, and, you know, toward him, that God will hear it. And, yes, he does hear. Yes. Good, excellent. God looks on the position of a man's heart not of his actions because you can do the right things but if your heart's not in the right place run that by me again rock so what I've, so it doesn't matter what i do no it matters, it matters what, what i think it matters what you do all right let me make a more accurate statement good <clears throat> this is a more accurate statement <laughs> so it's important what you do but if you don't do it with the right heart then god um God, God wants you to have the right heart about what you do. So the, the Korok and or his sons, they went into the temple. They had the right incense. They mm-hmm. had the right mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. But their hearts weren't mm-hmm. right. So. Okay. So I, I get where you're coming from now. So with Hophni and Phineas, have I got the right pair this time? No, that's Eli's Nadav. That's Eli's sons? Nadav and Avihu. Yeah. Um, Nadav. Nadav and Avihu. Um, they did it wrong, and God took them out. You're, you're referring to the 250 guys who did it right and actually followed precisely what they were supposed to do, and God still took them out. Correct. But, but they were the wrong they people. Were the wrong people. Exactly. So, All right. So you can't just step up and do what you want. God means what he says, and there is a protocol. Correct. So even though they followed the protocol, wrong dad. So right guys do the wrong thing. Wrong guys do the right thing either and way. Either way. Good, good, good. Yes, sir. You've uh, next. Yes, sir. It also proves that even though God did many miracles, the men are still grateful. Excellent. That the attitude of these people was more what they could do and their rights, rather than looking back to God and being grateful that they had been preserved and God had provided a means for that. Good. Yes, Joe. Uh, we get into a discussion about how uh, many are called, but few are chosen. Mm-hmm. It seems like he is winnowing down his uh, people he called. I mean, just thousands, tens of thousands of people yes. are just getting zapped. <laughs> um, almost every portion. We yeah. seem to lose some more family. Unbelievable. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Yes, sir. <laughs> it's interesting because, um, you know, verse verse 3, they assembled, Korach and the 250, assembled against Moshe and Aharon and said to them, 
you've gone far enough that all the congregation is holy. Every one of them, and the Lord is in their midst, so why do you exalt yourselves? Okay, so you have this, this they're promoting the concept that we're all the same and we're all holy. Why are you, is it why is are you, it a true statement that they're all holy? Yes. yes. Absolutely. What does holy mean? Set apart. Were they all set apart? Yes. yes. They're all by themselves in the desert. Hello. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but but what he's trying to do here is he's he's suggesting that because we're all because God is in all of our midst, that you know, Moses, you're not really special. I mean, any one of us should be able to do this. We're all we're all leaders, we're all the whole congregation is holy, right? So he's introducing this idea that um, that even within the assembly that there's no there are no distinctions, mm. right? Which is not true. Exactly right. Okay. It is not true. And then and then they speak against him, right? So then they start to castigate Moses and Aaron and you know their attitude is kind of, you know, you guys are you know, kind of controlling everything, and you know, and it's only Aaron and his sons. Like, there's corruption, or something. I mean, they're kind of making these. I mean, it's not explicit, but it's kind of implied in their attitude or whatever. So then he suggests that well, maybe, maybe the Levites from from the Co- from the, the Kohathites from the Kohath family, maybe we can re- maybe we can replace, or at least. Uh, at, at the minimum, work with, equal with the Aaronites, this with the family of Aaron, yeah. right? So you have this kind of we're all really the same, and then kind of castigating the leadership, and then suggesting that well we can just replace the sons of Aaron, and um, kind of that homogenization, castigation, replacement. You kind of see that same sort of approach in other places. I'm seeing this other one. So. That's that's very good. What was the one problem with Cora's statement? Biggest mistake in his first statement. Why do you lift yourself up? Why do you lift yourself up? Sounds a lot like uh, Miriam and Aaron who said you take too much upon yourself. Where were these people? We just them? did this. I mean. Didn't they read the portion? <laughs> Holy cow, we just saw this. Why would you step why would you stand up to Moses? Probably a bad position in which to be. But I think Yeah, could be. I ask you. Why do you keep lifting yourself up or exalting yourself in that version? Can anybody give me a chapter and verse where Moses did that? I thought God, not somebody else. I thought God said he was the humblest man on the planet. Oh, big mistake. Yes, sir. Did you just yeah, okay. um, It's interesting because when verse 3, when Korach makes this statement, verse 4, when Moses heard this, he fell on his face. Mm. He knows. He knows. Yeah. Oh, oh, crap! <laughs> They're doing it again. They're doing it again! <laughs> Everybody duck! <laughs> yeah! Because what does he know? He knows that he knows that their castigation is not directed at him. I mean, he's it, the it is directed at him, but 
that's not who they're really rebelling against. Yes. Right. He knows that while they're kind of spewing all this venom and you know resentment towards him, he knows they're really um, castigating God. And he knows that God knows it too. Right. Outstanding. Yes. I think we see the when we read about Gamliel, if this is of God, then you know you can, you're going against God. So and. And if so, you will lose. Yeah. So regardless of his opinion, that statement is kind of, even if you don't know which side to choose, you're just throwing that out there because you can't go wrong with That's that. That's right. You're just letting everything play out. Exactly. Good. Excellent. Uh, not to encourage a, uh, a persecution complex, but many in this room have experienced similar things. And they, we need to remember that when people say things about our faith or speak against God's word, uh, even well-meaning speaking against God's word, they're really not speaking against us, and they're not speaking in ways against our lifestyle. They're speaking against God. That's exactly right. And 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 to remember that Moses' response should be our response. That's good. I I'm always astonished. How many of you read Bereans online and the weekly thing that comes out? Almost everybody. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm I'm always impressed with your reminder to us of that very same thing, that it, it's not us in, in rejecting the halakha, in rejecting Moses, in rejecting the quote-unquote Old Testament. They are, in fact, rejecting the God of Israel, whom is their provider. So, that's good. Outstanding. Yeah? Stand by. Yes, I will. I just had a question. We were talking about uh, holy and being defined and set apart and yes. correctly. Um, and in this portion, I was wondering if there was any correlation between uh, or kind of relation in this portion with like Romans 9, where God talks about, you know, how the ones who are chosen, you know, basically it's not because you're Abraham or sons of flesh, it's because you're the promise. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering if there's any correlation between that and that uh, God was like, uh, or Moses said, We'll let God basically Make choose sure. between you and right. see who's, you know, and draw him near. And I was wondering if, I mean, I, reading about it a little bit, I saw him saying it was not necessarily a conversation about the, the kingdom, that I was wondering if this was salvific in, in any way, or is or if everybody in that congregation were all quote-unquote believers. Yeah. Yeah, and if, if there was any separation there, yeah, between yeah, it is a big debate, and, and and I'm glad you brought it up because it was one of the things that again causes me to lift up Korach as an extraordinary portion. Um, I, I think the easiest way to approach the answer is to not confuse it with the terminology of our dead. Did God choose these people? Absolutely. Did He set them apart Himself? Yes. Are you chosen by God? Yes. Did he set you apart? Yes. How does he do that? Oh, different question. It could be by going to that brick building on that corner, or this white-sided building on that corner, or this stucco thing on that corner. It's got a cross. That one doesn't. This one does. This has great coffee. This one meets a 10. This one meets a 2. It could be. Or it could be something entirely different. But clearly, God is the one that must do the selecting. And to Greg's point, he not only selects generically, but also specifically. So, I do think it's important that we see Messiah in this portion, in that 
He's chosen a people to himself and individuals within that for a specific work in his service. And I think he still does that. But to your point, Paul's comment is that there is no salvation apart from the Jew. So we need to start there, and we start with Korah, we start with this rebellion, and see the fruit of it. So we're going we're gonna to look at that. Good. Other comments? Oh, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. I, I, um, well. <laughs> I, stopped, I stopped using verses. We're not in the, in the portion yet. Well, no, I just... I mean, obviously, the, the key concept here is um, you cannot go against God's anointing. Amen. And so, and we see Paul sensitive about that right. himself when under trial. Exactly. But certainly that also has um, specific application to the anointed one. Amen. Messiah. Amen. That's um, exactly right. And so, at the end of the day, those who... Those who... Um, who intentionally go against the anointed one, they will be held accountable. Amen. And in some cases are doomed. That's exactly right. In fact, we not only see Paul sensitive about God's anointed, but also King David, even while he was being chased, right? Mm-hmm. He would not lift up his hand against the Lord's anointed. Cut off the piece of his clothes. That's right, yeah. Oh, well, how that happened, we can't talk about it. I think uh, it's interesting to note that the very thing that Korah... It it really does seem that the the mirror there is a little backwards. And even today, when someone comes against us accusatory fashion, they're usually guilty of whatever they're telling us. Yeah, you're exactly right. And and I think to to Rick's point, our response should be fairly consistent. We we don't need to call the kettle black. We, we don't need to jump back. We need to pray for them. Pray for them. That's it. We just need to pray. We need to pray for a right response. We need to pray that God would be merciful to them. We would pray that God would open their eyes. And that He would open our eyes to, to potentially the, the part of truth that may be in any libelous stuff that comes towards us. Yes, the other thing that's interesting here, the, the somewhat of an irony, is Korach wants to be he, he wants he wants the to be the the Kohen. He wants to be the Kohen Hagadol, um, and he's obviously got also some ulterior motives. Um, and because he goes against uh, God's anointed, he pays the price, and he's he's taken out, right? Uh, but the the scripture says the scripture says he was brought low. <laughs> but the scripture says that his sons did not go down exactly with, right. you know, so God preserved the ability for Korach's family to, you know, to continue um, but what's interesting here is when you get farther you know, several many years later we have a prophet well, and a priest. First guy. He, he acts as a priest. Yes, he did. And he is a descendant of Korah. Mm-hmm. So he's a Levite, but he's not a son of Aaron. But he actually gets the privilege and opportunity right. to play the role of a Kohen 
for a period of time. The very thing that Korah wanted to do, Samuel does. That's exactly that. right. Um, if you're not familiar with the Rechabites, write it down. And go home and read about the Rechabites. The dad is not who we read of. We read about the children because they were faithful. With Korah, his children were faithful. Is that, the, is that a dad written by them? Yeah, the son, sons of Korah. Is that unusual too in a in a Jewish family for the sons to I mean not follow their father and just kind of stay back? Or do you do you think the kids may not have known what dad was up to? I I I don't know about uh, Jewish homes, but I think in any home where you have a strong patriarch, where you have a strong father, for the children not to follow is extraordinarily rare. But I would submit that in as much as I violate God's word, God's will, God's direction, I would only hope and pray that all of my children would choose to not participate, um, but rather would work with me to, to change my heart. On that, that, uh, on that issue, there's a... There is a, a, a drash in the Yalkut Shemoni, which is another... Um, which we want to get translated into English, if anybody's got it. Uh, in the Yalkut Shemoni, the, they ask the question, why were the son, why were Korach's sons spared? And the discussion reported is that Korach had instructed his fa- all of his family and his sons and everybody to not honor Moshe because you know, of his view and attitude towards Moshe. Um, but when Moshe approached, his sons made the decision to stand up and honor Moses as he approached, and went against. You know, they basically chose to, in essence, dishonor their father because they sensed rebellion in him, and honored Moses when he approached, yeah. knowing that that was going to, you know, result in the wrath of their father against them. Uh, but because they were willing to stand and honor Moses despite the wishes of their father, that is given as a reason why they were spared. Yeah. For your second piece of homework uh, for the rest of the week is to read about Abigail, who also chose not to follow in the footsteps of her husband, but rather uh, to step up and do things correctly. Yes, ma'am. This may be way off base, Yes, ma'am. Can you hear? I can't hear. Can you hear, Ryan? What? Yeah, she's back there. Okay. What? Priests. Yes. And so the first thing that pops into my head, being a Gentile, is that we're all kingdom of priests. Yeah. Yeah. Royal priesthood of believers. Yeah. How does that play into it? Yeah. Don't you wish that we're kind of whited out of the whole New Testament there? Yeah. Okay. No. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank balance and reason on the end of the count. Yeah. Okay, come on. Did we read it in Isaiah 66? We well, we today being uh, or tomorrow being Rosh Kodesh, we did read Isaiah 66. Go ahead. Well, in Isaiah 66, he says he will take he will take sons from among them, and he lists specifically lists non-Levites, na- nations. Actually, not even non-Jews, no. but nations yeah. that are not. Uh, not Israel, and says, I will make for them, I will make some of them Levites and priests. Mm. I wonder if that's what that meant. Mm. So, 
But that's yet future. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And because it has nothing to do with the service of the temple that's here. That's right. Because because the the covenant that was given to Aaron is a covenant of salt. It is eternal. It can never be broken. God would never break it. No one else can break it. It is eternal. Aaron and his sons will forever be priests unto God. Amen. The question is, in what domain? And as you brought up, in the in the earthly domain, only Aaron and his sons are priests. Our master, Messiah Yeshua, is not a priest, cannot be a priest in the earthly domain. Right. In the order of Aaron, he cannot be. The writer of Hebrews goes out of his way to say, if he were here today, he would not be a priest. But he's a, of a different order. It's a different domain. It's a higher order. It is a higher order. And, and presumably, in a yet future time, we will have the opportunity to minister in that fashion. It's, it, can't, it can't negate or replace that which God has already put into place. Okay, so the priesthood they're talking about in First Peter uh, is not service in the temple. Cannot be. Well, no. His anytime someone quotes from Peter, he takes it as a personal, <laughs> personal plus. Yeah. Yeah. It's his book. That's right. Yeah. The namesake. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, clearly, clearly, it cannot be a replacement, but an addition. Right. And, and probably in a different domain. Yes. Sir. And at the foot of the mountain, God called his, you know, a, a, a kingdom of priests. Yeah. Yeah. And that's before there was a, a tabernacle service. Right. So, so it is a different realm. It's a different. Well, realm. I think it's it's there is the nation of Israel is all twelve tribes are like priests to the, the rest yeah. of the world. Okay. Right. But within the nation, there are priests to the nation. Right. Within the priesthood. And there are priests to God that serve make this you know, so there's it depends on the context of the you know, but all of us uh, are priests in the sense that we are we should be uh, taking God before the rest of the world mm-hmm. and we should be bringing the rest of the world before God. Mm-hmm. I've heard this like when the temple curtain for Which one? Which one? Which one? <laughs> well, of course I don't know which one it was, but in the church we hear today yes. now the holy of holies Temple tour, and now we have yeah, full access. Yeah. yeah, and then Jeremy's like, These poor people, they're going to go try boldly go before God's throne, and they're going to be Yeah, um, no, it's a, but you but you but you raise a good point, and uh, no, it's all right. If I back into you, just kind of you know, put your hand up. So. Um, but you raise a good point, and we hear that all the time. Uh, didn't you know the curtain's been rent? Yeah, I know a curtain was rent. Which curtain, by the way. Homework number three. <laughs> we mentioned the curtain in this particular portion. It talks about the curtain, the curtain, in this portion. I challenge you, look at that in the Septuagint and see what Greek is used there and see if it's the same Greek that's used for the curtain in Hebrews. And then check your context and see. Are we talking about that? So. Hang on. <laughs> Take a deep breath. <laughs> um, clearly, if what the what some in the church are teaching today, vis-a-vis that the holy of holies has been 
thrust open and we can now boldly approach the throne looking for grace there's a lot of stuff that you know perhaps like Moses we should hit the deck and you know um, but I, th I think there's there's such obvious things we should raise and bring to the attention of those that, that want to use that because they don't do it maliciously they do it out of ignorance so one of the things I would ask is um, okay let's let's go back and take a look at that temple if we were to actually have the privilege of drawing near and going into that particular area where God has set up a sanctuary at that place would we find a throne there I mean that's what we're supposed to be approaching a throne but gosh I don't think there's a throne there that's number one number two it's unclear which curtain is being spoken of. But isn't it odd that in this very portion of Korach, we see that God goes out of his way to make it clear, all of you will not have the opportunity to draw near. Only they will draw near because you guys would die. So it's not the curtain that's keeping the people away. It is God himself. The curtain doesn't matter. But three, four portions ago, we went through the whole deal of these people will cover it all up, then we'll take down the curtain, those people will come in and schlep. Once they de-schlep, we de-cover, and we put up everything again. So we're not even supposed to see it if we're not the ones that have been selected by God to draw near. There's so many problems, not only theologically, but logistically and physically with what they're proposing that it denies, in my opinion, ultimately, the Messiahship of Yeshua. Because what he did for us and on our behalf was not done in this earthly one. It was done in the original. So to now talk about this, uh, this copy and, and claim that we've got some kind of opportunity in this one is ridiculous and mi missing the whole point. Well, you did, but you gave it up. Okay, maybe just stretch it. When God graciously has his temple rebuilt in Jerusalem, we can only hope that such kind of comments are not actually being played out. People would not behave in a way that would be um, not only disrespectful, but harmful to them. Well, it would no. only happen once. <laughs> well, this is why there was a, this is why the, this is why the Sorag in, in the in the in the second temple had a had a warning. Do not pass this wall. Sorag was the fence that kept the Gentiles back. This is also why from this portion is where we get the institution of a temple guard. Because we had after this after this whole incident with Korah and um, the plague um, well, before we get there, you know, in, when Moses is interacting with Korah, he, what does he say? He says, look, is it not enough for you guys that God has separated you as Levites, you know, and yet you want the priesthood too? Yeah, let's right? talk about what you did get, not what you didn't right. get. And then that's what we do. The rest of the second half of the, of the portion is re, reaffirming, hey guys, here's what you have. 
all of the nation has to give a tenth of everything they've got to you, you know. And here's, you know, here's all the things, and I'm your inheritance. And you know, he re, kind of reiterates to the Levites, you do have something great here, right? Whether you're a Kohen or not, you are unique, and you do have a place to play in the temple service, just not in the sanctuary. You the sanctuary is you only bet. the domain of the for the son of Aaron and his sons. That's right. But there's a statement that's made that says um, uh, something to the effect of. Uh, that they should perform their temple service. Um, and when you read the commentary from Hazal, the understanding is that the temple the temple service in the context of this portion, uh, because of this, because we had essentially illegal entry by these 250, um, uh, these 250 Levites, that from, from this point forward, we have a guard that stands watch around the tabernacle and then later the temple because we cannot have people just barging Willy in nilly approach and, exactly right. and, and the guard and guarding the you know guarding the sanctity of the temple became the responsibility of the uh, Levites of the non Sons of Aaron, the non-Aaronites, or whatever. Right, the Levites, right, right. the so non-priests the non-Kohen, that were there. Yeah, they became responsible to make sure that that never happened. Right. So you you either sing or you get a Glock. Hey, you know, you're gonna, you take them out or you sing. It's one of the two. I would go so far as to say that those in the uh, in the church that teach that the the curtain was rent and therefore we can approach boldly means that the Holy of Holies has been opened up and we can go in there now and Levites and sons of Aaron are irrelevant is exactly what Korah was saying. I would go so far as to say that they are joining in Korah's rebellion in saying they're not special when they're trying to apply it to this domain. And in the same regard, the irony is that the very people who teach the priesthood of the believer will listen to only one man. The one man speaks for everybody. He makes all the decisions. Even if there are elders, he's the one that overrides. That's right. Which, I mean, it, it is ironic. It is well, ironic. Joe, yes, I ma'am. think this is a classic example. And see, I, this has helped me. But this is a classic example, I believe, of how the church, not understanding from the Hebraic mindset of what that renting is really for. Yes. In that you had the high priest that would rent their garments at, at you know, at blasphemy or or sadness, you know, great sorrow, the temple being destroyed or what, you know, that was, if I'm understanding correctly, what this means because of Messiah's death, you know, his sacrifice, that renting is... Is it not God, you know, with his great sorrow and yeah, his I, son having to give his life? I think that's a great picture. I would correct uh, only one thing in what you said, in, and that is that that is a, a traditional mourning action. I mean, you, you tear the garments, no question. And we can see that God, I mean, it's not by accident that we read it. It was rent from top to bottom. Obviously, God had to do this. It wasn't a man who did this. So, yeah, God is rending, if you will, his garment. In mourning, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I think it's a great picture, but the high priest never 
rent his garments. So those garments were, were forbidden in the Torah ever to be rent. And yeah, you read that the high, tees, high priest Caiaphas tore his garments and said, we heard all we need to hear. He wasn't wearing those garments. Those are only worn once a year. He just rent his own garments, not the high priest garments. The Torah specifically prohibits those from being torn, rent in any way, and there's all kinds of safeguards to prevent that. But yes, I agree. What a, what a marvelous and wonderful picture. Well, that's another reason why it's not the Holy Holy Spirit, because that would have been those garments that can't... Well, the curtain is not his garments, but... Well, I mean... It's, you know, he only goes in there once a year. Yeah, you know, he puts on those garments. So. Yeah, it's, it is symbolism, but, you know, okay. Well... <laughs> that was pretty good. Now let's start. Now we can begin. <laughs> Verse 1. <laughs> Verse 1 of chapter 16. No, no. Okay. Um, if, um, if I could draw to your attention. Again, I, I, I want to try and help you to hear it, feel it, smell it. If you look in... Um, In this first chapter, in verse 20, Adonai spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, Separate yourselves from amid this assembly, and I shall destroy them in an instant. They fell on their faces and said, O God, God of the spirits of all flesh, shall one man sin, and you be angry with the entire assembly. Who does that remind you of? Abraham. Abraham. Absolutely, Morgan. What did you say? Aiken. Aiken. Good. That's good. That's good. That's wrong. That's good. That's good. No, no, it's no, it's 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 right. It's good. So we'll we'll do we'll do Abraham first, then we'll do Aiken. That's good. I'm totally kidding. I can't get with her that way. She'll cry. Okay. So that's not true. Yeah, it's exactly right. You're right. I apologize. So Abraham, tell me. How does this remind you of Abraham? Well, I thought of it when we read this part, and I was trying to figure out if it was the opposite. Because at first I was thinking that the son of Gomorrah was going to be, that he was saying, spare the city for one righteous man. Correct. But Well, not one. He never said one. Right, right. So it wasn't quite that. But then I thought, isn't it actually, though, on Abraham's merit that Sodom and Gomorrah, that, that that lot was rescued? Absolutely. So, I guess somehow it tells Well, it's isn't it almost the reverse, like you said, of what we're looking at here? You got one righteous man who is 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 working with God to say, surely, surely the judge of all the earth would not. Earth, I mean, it's not possible, right? I mean, you would not slay the righteous with the wicked. It can't, I mean, it can't happen, right? Here's a guy who knows the character of God. <coughs> I, I'm just. I mean, I'm just dust and ashes. I mean, you know, but that's, I think I understand what you told me Oh, you're all about, you know. But that's the opposite. Aiken's a better example of the same thing, right? What did Aiken do? He stole gold. Gold clothing. I mean, he, st- he stole some of the spoil. What, what, what city was that? Was it was that Jericho. I? Or Jericho. Jericho, right? And he hid it under his tent. It was I. Okay. So yeah. So now what what happened to the nation? One guy sinned. They lost the next battle, right? 
the next battle, they lost, and they got their butts kicked. Yeah, a lot of people died. Everyone was affected. So they were all affected by this. The whole community was affected by the sin of one man. How does that make you feel, Colby? (laughs) No, just think about it. Homework number four. Okay. It should make you fearful, and it should make you want to live a righteous life for the sake of those that you love around you, shouldn't it? Yes. But now, with the, in the case of Achan, Achan was found out. And his family. And his family participated with or was affected by his personal sin. So you dads, you husbands, no pressure, was a good example of it. Um, your sin as well as your righteousness affects your family yes ma'am but God warned people to move away move away from the tents of these people these wicked men well that's that's back to Janet's uh, comment and it's, it's one of the first times we see in this particular portion the very grace of God being poured out in the process of his pouring out his wrath. Um, I'm reminded of one of my favorite passages is when Moses finally gets to see God. And he's chatting with him. And it's an old guy. A really old guy. And he finally climbs up to the top of the mountain. He's got another, you know, the tablets, all that. No, 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 no. Go back down. Why do I have to go back down? Because the people are going to touch the mountain. They're going to die. No, 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 they can't. They can't. You told us not to. That's faith. Faith that is born out through extraordinary obedience. Simply because God said, do or don't do something. That's Moses. That should be us. But you're right. God said, don't. Step away. In my life, too, when I think about that, that was one of those sections that touched me that even went into the end of the chapter but 14, 7, people died from a plague in addition to those who had died because of Korah. Because I think, you know, if I was honest, probably a fair statement to say when I was younger um, that I was in, basically, in the tent of Korah, in the spirit of, you know, that kind of thing in some ways. And God did tell me, if I again look back and say, okay, what was that all about? God was trying to tell me to get out. And I like that picture that, and He kept doing it. That's a great thing. He's a, he is a God of graciousness that calls and provides opportunities for sinners such as ourselves. It's extraordinary. On the subject of graciousness in the book Radical Responsibility, they relate this particular passage of this particular portion of Korah to Psalm 88 which is by the sons of Korah and it's cool because it it starts out with O Lord God of my salvation and then throughout it has all these references it says I am counted with those who go down to the pit I am like a man who has no strength in verse 4 and then later on it talks about other imagery um Oh yeah, you lo- you laid me in the lowest pit, in the darkest, in the depths, and it's just him crying out. The, these the sons are writing this, absolutely crying out to God, and it, it's just so cool that it starts with God of my salvation. Amen. They wouldn't be writing it had God not saved them. That's exactly right, and it's and it's and it's a physical salvation. You bet. Yeah. 
All right, look at the end of the chapter, if you would, please. Verse 32, the earth opened its mouth, Numbers 16, and swallowed them and their households and all the people who were with Korah and the entire wealth. They and all that was theirs descended alive to the pit. The earth covered them over and they were lost from among the congregation. Verse 34 is the verse I bring to your attention. So I want you to describe it. All Israel that was around them fled at what? Their sound. They heard the screams, the shrieks, the agony, the appeals for help. And it scared these people to death. They began to sprint away, for they said, lest the earth swallow us. How many of you have been in an earthquake? How many of you have actually felt the ground move underneath you in some way, shape, or form, even a littlest bit? Okay. It is somewhat terrifying. It's certainly unnerving if it's dramatic. I'm imagining, and I'm just imagining, that when the earth opens up that this quantity of people can actually fall through to the pit and they're going to hit the pit, I'm assuming a couple of things. One, it was noisy opening the hole. I, I may be wrong, but bear with me. Two, if you've ever opened up your grill, you know that if it's hot in there, you can see that in the air. So, number two, I'm assuming that we can see the heat rising. It says the pit. They went alive into the pit. It doesn't mean it's not hot. It's Sheol. So, I may be wrong. Like I said, I'm speculating. Number three. but even if it was just the earth. The earth's core is molten. Right? So, uh, number three. It closed up quick. Number three, it closed up quick. It opened up, poop, they all fall in, poop, and it closed back up. They did not run from a hole. They ran from the sound. And they were afraid that they were going to, it was going to open up and suck them in. So it evidently went, whoop, whoop. But louder. But louder. <laughs> Instead amongst the screams. So I don't know that we really know what it looks like. I feel like in your head you're picturing that scene from that movie. <laughs> I, I didn't even have a movie reference in my head. All I know is I'm only picturing the ground opening it up enough yes. for that amount of people to fall in. Yeah, the crack. I was thinking more of a hole. Like okay, a so like a sinkhole. Okay, sinkhole, and then but it closes back up. So if it's going to be a hole, now you're bringing back pieces together that were never together. So what? Just like an elevator comes and the ground comes back up. Was it smooth? Yes, sir. It does say the earth. Yeah, I know. I know. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah, yeah. 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 there was the bad place to stay. This reminds me of Yeshua's parable when he speaks about Lazarus and 
the rich man and the rich man and not the parable in and of itself but the conclusion of the parable uh, uh, the rich man asks Abraham father Abraham to send someone back and warn them of this place and uh, Abraham's response is they have the prophets and Moses and Moses and Yeshua's comment on it even if someone is raised from the dead it's insufficient this and this portion uh, reminds me of that because because the sound of Korah is something that the sages discuss. This sound that they're talking about, it says you can still hear the sound. There's some place in Israel we can hear the sound. It smells a little like sulfur, but you can hear the sound. And the sound this is in Perkeal is Delaser. And, and and in the sound, here's what the sound says. If you listen carefully, you can hear it. Moses is true, a true prophet of God, and Korah is a liar. Can you hear that <laughs> over a little pipe? <laughs> I can hear it. So even if someone's raised from the dead, it's insufficient to convince us. Look, the next day, these people are all standing up going, you know, you still take too much upon yourself. Apparently, it's not enough to see yeah, this. Yeah, and I, I, hope, I, catch, I hope that you recognize these people are no different than us. Yeah. Right? They're no different than us. I didn't see, you know. They're, they, quite a while. they are stiff-necked. We are. It takes a lot, and we still don't trust. How many of you have seen God work in your lives at any time ever in your entire life? Every hand goes up. But how many of you still doubt? Why would, why would you doubt? How many of us rebel after we've seen Amen. So... The earth opens up, these people fall in, everybody else is, you know, running or backing up very quickly. Backing up quick. And, you know, and then the earth closes back up, and then immediately behind them, they hear clang, 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 right? Because you have 250 sensors hitting the <laughs> That's next. There we go. You hear all these copper sensors hitting the ground because the 250 that decided to take it upon themselves They're just go ash. into the sanctuary. They are, they've been vaporized by the consuming fire, and you hear all the clanging of these sensors, right? That's exactly right. And, and then what's interesting is, um, you know, what's interesting is when you get to, um, when you get to verse uh, 30, uh, 36, then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, say to Eliezer, the son of the priest, that he shall take up the sensors out of the midst of the blaze, for they are holy. Why? Because they had been used in divine service, even though they were used by the wrong people, uh, the censors the themselves are holy, uh, and you scatter the burning coals abroad. As for the censors of these men who have sinned at the cost of their lives, let them be made into hammered sheets for the plating of the altar, since they did present them before the Lord, and they are holy, and they shall be assigned to the sons of Israel. So we take these 250 copper you know, um, censors, we hammer them out into sheets, and we plate the outside of the the altar now with these sheets of copper. And copper in scripture is always a picture of judgment. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the 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 censers represent judgment, and God says, "Tell you what, we're going to take this, we're going to plate the outside of the altar, and." Uh, and so now, imagine, imagine, you know, as the as the Kohanim, you know, approach, 
now you have this reflection coming off of these the shiny plated copper around the altar as if to say when you're approaching and you see yourself in the reflection against the altar you better judge yourself before you continue right. to proceed Amen. Amen. because if you are proceeding you know whether either the wrong in the wrong manner or if you're not the person who's supposed to be approaching, we, we may find your sensor on the ground. Right, and so you have a you have a neat picture here that that's that picture of before you approach, you better introspect, and you better self judge, lest you you know lest you be judged, right? Um, and then, as I said earlier, what's cool is then when the plague breaks out, because then the rest of the camp starts to complain, we. Moses, you just killed all of our leaders, right? And then we have the plague breaks out, and uh, we're going to get to the plague. Hang on a minute, there. Yes. Just to follow with that, yes. I just saw in last week's portion a similar thing when the guy who is carrying sticks, yes, Shabbat, they yes. stone him, and then right after that it follows with God giving the sign of tzitzit. Yeah. So that it's it's, it's like a, a sign and a picture, and God's grace truly at the end. All right, I'm gonna I'm going to. I beg your pardon. Before we leave, Korah, yes, please. If, if you're if we're not, that's fine. But before we leave, Korah, I'm, I'm I'm jumping on the 250 when you're done. Okay. Well, the the Korah names always kind of concern me. Mm. It's like mm. well, I'm, I'm a little bit balding. Yeah. <laughs> um, and not nearly as much as some. But, but the point is, you know, it's like you know, why why would you name your kid bald? Although a lot of them come out that way. Yeah, you know, but it's, but it's kind of, it's, it's an interesting name, and, and just, this is from the good name, if you don't mind. Uh, if you don't know... No, the, it must be true, let's hear it. If you don't know the Hebrew letters, I apologize, but the, the idea is the soul is cloaked in thought, deed, and speech. It is the clothing of the soul. So that's how we know someone, is by what they say, what they what they do, and how they... How they Represent what they think and what they do, and and Korach's name is a perversion of the letter Hey. Hey is the letter that that sages say is is a representation of how God creates right. what's visible in creation, and Korach is a perversion, and it talks about the fact that the that that the the Het in his name it closes the up between dot deed and thought, so his deeds were more you know were more important than anything. A Hey is is like a you know it's this. But a chet closes the gap. So, so that so he tries to make the spirit the spiritual earthly, and and the kuf is a is a is is a twisted version of the hay and we, as well as that it extends even you know because the kuf goes down below the level mm-hmm. it extends even to the you know the lowest level of of, of humanness mm-hmm. and then and then lastly the reish uh, is missing deeds altogether. There are no deeds. It's all just. Ethereal and spiritual. The race is like this. It doesn't even have this piece at all. So, so the idea is Korath's name represents exactly what he does. Mm. That's interesting. Wow. Good. All right, I'm I'm going to d- disagree with my esteemed colleague on the sound of the uh, 250 guys. Um, I think that the sound that they heard was the sound of the fire. Because if you've ever opened up a blast furnace or you've seen that in a movie or something, you know, you've got that. And that's what it says came out and took these guys out. Now, whether they made noise or not, (laughs) or not, I don't know. But it's very clear in the scripture 
that they were totally consumed. What's left? Ash. So all of these censers, now don't you think it's very cool that God burned them, but not the censers? Didn't turn to molten censers? No. And what do you hear now? Censers falling on little pillows of ash. <laughs> Very clean censer. Yeah. Refined in the fire, just like it says, because he is a consuming fire. And now we have a priest that needs to become unclean. Because there's no way that he can pick up these holy censers other than scooping them up out of the ash from their bodies and clothing. So you said they were completely consumed, but there's all this ash? Well, I think that's consistent because of the laws of entropy, but if you're not familiar with those, we can talk about it later. So the fire isn't hot enough, you're saying? So you think that the ash was actually consumed and turned into... So, so they weren't completely consumed? I, I think they were completely consumed. Consumed doesn't mean completely something. This is my son. <laughs> and I bow to his wisdom. Perhaps, perhaps you're right. Oh, there was nothing but the clang as they hit the empty ground because there was no thing, no, no anything. Not even vapor. I mean, you know, what's that? Oh, no, no, there couldn't be a smell because that would be something akin to ash. Well, no, that's, that's okay. So we move forward. In, in verse 37, it says, and you scatter the burning coals abroad. Oh. The burning coals? That's from oh, the censers. Censers. That's, censers. Yeah. Mm. that's holy fire. Mm. That's holy fire. Okay. I'm still looking for the sounds. That's good. That's good. But I like that. It means you're reading, son. That's good. All right. We're going to move on now to the, to the staff business. And if there's anything in the scriptures that teaches us of the resurrection of God's chosen one, this has got to be a holy cow. Joseph, I, I just yeah. I mentioned this to Karen, and she goes, "Oh, we're just like a, you know what? They just seen these people go got swallowed by the earth. They're screaming, and the next day they murmured again. It's like really? I, I'm sorry, I don't think I would do that. So, but your wife thinks you would." Yes. Okay. So, <laughs> so, all right. So, well, she didn't say. She said we. Yeah. I. I've had I've had good results. Normally agreeing with Karen, so I'm going to go there on this one. Um, I, I think that regardless of the amount of time, I think to Rick's earlier point, it is astonishing that regardless of what we see God do, regardless of, of what we experience in our own lives, we seem to never be totally trusting of God. I agree, trusting, but doubting His existence? Well, I, honestly, I can't, I can't say that 
since I got saved, I doubted that there was a God. Well, do you think they doubted there was a God? I mean, they knew who opened the earth. Actually, they think Moses did. Well, well, it's possible. It's possible. Well, I think John. it's into that when they say, will we ever stop dying? Mm-hmm. Right. They have literally lost a lot of people. tens of thousands yes. of people in, in a two weeks max. Right. And they're fed up with it. They're scared. They're, and I think that's why Korah saw an opportunity. The people are doubting Moses. And he's like, okay, now it's time for some new leadership. Maybe if we get a new guy at the helm, we'll stop dying. <laughs> we'll stop dying. We're losing our families. That's right. Yeah. So I, I don't think it's doubt of God. I think it's frustration, anger. They're scared. And, uh, and that's that's a natural human tendency yes. when you're scared to, to always make a big wrong mistake. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll buy it. Yes. So the result is that more before we before we leave. <laughs> that's right. Before yeah. 16, again, I just want to reiterate the point that when the plague breaks out, when the rest of the congregation starts to... Right, I didn't get there, did I? Oh, oh, I skipped that. Yeah, I want to go there. That's verse 12? Yeah, it is 17. Yeah, what, what is that weird Bible you're using? He has a 1650. I noticed that before. I thought he was just drunk. Yeah, what can you do? No, all right, so Aaron, I'm in... Uh, yeah, that's right. I'm using a non-Jewish Oh, I see. All right, yeah, it's okay. It's okay. So even even non-Jews can do well. Yeah, seven. All right, so we're going to pick up at 17... Uh, 12, uh, actually before that, was 17, yeah, oh yeah, I wanted to bring this up. Uh, well, Joe, you, 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 you picked up perfectly for us to set it up on verse 6. Complained on the morrow against Moses and Aaron, saying, You've killed the people of Adonai. And it was when the assembly gathered against Moses and Aaron, they turned to the tent of meeting, behold, the cloud had covered it, the glory of Adonai appeared. Moses and Aaron came before the tent of meeting, although they didn't need to be called, they knew. Clouds down, time to approach. Okay, good. Adonai spoke to Moses saying, Remove yourselves from among this assembly, I shall destroy them in an instant. And now Aaron has learned the proper response when God says something like that. What did, what did, what did Moses do before? Bam! On the deck. Now they both do. Boom! Two guys down. If I were watching the two guys go down, man, I would be... Ah! <laughs> Here he comes! Well, maybe you would get closer. That's after. right, yeah. You know. Towards the Moses. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I, 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 I'm going to let uh, Greg uh, give you some great wisdom from this passage, but beforehand, I, I do want to bring to your attention as we look at it and try and get you to picture it, especially for Kyle. So, I mean, he's never read this before. He doesn't know what's going on. So let's help him. <laughs> They fall on their faces. Verse 11, Moses said to Aaron, Take the fire pan and put on it fire from upon the altar and place incense and go quickly to the assembly and provide atonement for them for the fury. It's almost like a name for God. The fury has gone out from the presence of Adonai. The plague has begun. Now, I'd just like to draw your attention that how many of you can picture from bird's eye view what we're looking at? Can you can you do that? Can you can you picture it? Right. So you got the the tabernacle in the middle. You got the Levites around them, and then you've got three tribes on either side, right? Right. Three, six, nine, twelve. Right. right, right. So everybody everybody got that? Yeah. The tribes have tens of thousands of people in them. I personally do not believe. It's like dropping blue dye in water and watching it go out like that. I think it went in one direction. But I could be wrong. 
Either way. Why don't you just stop? Just think. How many people wide? In one direction. Let's say west. How many people wide do we have in that direction? A lot. Probably a million wide. On one side. On one side. It's two and a half million, so there's like half a million. You got a lot of people. How many deep? Another big lot. It's a big number. Okay. How old's Aaron? He's running, baby. That's my point. Yeah! And he's got to get ahead of it. People are dying. Bodies are dropping. And he's just, you know, like O.G. Simpson, you know, stepping over the bodies and over the tents and boom, 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 you know, with the fire, just getting ahead of it. Do you have any idea how far he had to run? I think that was the Powerade commercial originally. It was like, yeah. I think this reinforces the idea that we need to be physically ready. That's right, yes. Get in shape. This is a Bible CrossFit. There it is. But seriously, I mean, I just. You think that's where Elijah run? Learn how to run down the mountain? I don't think Elijah learned. I think it was just God with the groin thing. Off we go. Elijah outrunning the chariot. Absolutely. Because he was also an elderly man. Okay. I think it's the beards. It could be, yeah. And, you know, does the beard hang straight when you're running, or does it kind of sway like you're davening? Okay. Aaron took, took as Moses had spoken and ran to the midst of the congregation. I read that to mean he went halfway deep into that side because he can only run in one direction. Behold, the plague had begun among the people. He placed the incense and provided atonement for the people. Can you see him with his little Bic lighter? Come on, light, light, light. Come on, come on, come on. Okay. So he gets it lit. (laughs) He stood between the dead and the living and the plague was checked. I don't believe it stopped until he got past the dead people and got into the live people. He stood between the living and the dead and the plague was checked. Those who died in that plague were 14,700 aside from those who died because of the affair of Korach. That guy booked real fast. Real fast through people. People that were dropping dead. Five minute mile. Until he got to people that were still standing, lit that incense, turned around, and faced that tabernacle. And God stayed the plague. Now I tell you, what I got out of this is almost, although not quite, what Brock was was making a joke about. When God says get up and go, are you ready to get up and go? Or are you gonna drag your feet? And, you know, kind of do it at your own pace. There seemed to be an urgency, and this guy stepped up. Talk about intercession for the people. Kingdom of priests. At least we got one guy here who can sprint. 
It's astonishing. 14,000 people died. Almost 15,000. How did Moses know? How did Moses know? I, I mentioned with Janet before. He knew, he didn't know what to do about the guys who touched the dead body right before Pesach. Uh, yeah, I got to check with God on that. Just stand, stand by right here. I'm going to go check with God. He's right around the corner here. Yeah. Hello, God? Hi. <laughs> he didn't check with anybody. He's flat on his face, and he knows that a plague has begun, and he knows that Aaron, his brother, has to go that way to get the incense, and then that way to stop the plague. How did he know? It, it may correlate back to what happened the day before. Because the the fire pans, that's precisely what they were being used for was yes. as a means to provide atonement for yes. the people, cover them in smoke. And so God struck those who did not have that that role. Yeah. And it stands to reason that the one who does have the role can atone for the people okay. in like, that very sin like. that they were involved in, the rebellion. Yeah. And and it's important to remember here that that the coals were taken from the altar. Mm-hmm. And the incense, uh, we don't know where it was, but it was probably somewhere nearby. The incense would have been the same incense that's being burned inside the holy place. Right. That's where I think it was. It covers the holy of holies yes. on Yom Kippur. So this, the very nature of the incense is atonement. Somehow to cover the people. I agree. I, in fact, I think the fury is another name for God. Yeah. I really do. Because, I mean, and, and I'm, I'm done um, with all the theatrics and whatnot, but I, I firmly believe that what protects the high priest on the Day of Atonement when he goes into the holiest place on the planet, the holiest man on the planet goes into that place and he has to put his arm in there first and create enough smoke off that incense thing so that he cannot see the glory of God. Because if he does, he will die. The scripture bears this out. It is the smoke that keeps him alive. And I believe what Rick just said he had to go in, he had to grab some of those coals, he had to get the incense, and he had to book that way. And once he got incense amongst the living, he had to turn around and make smoke so that he did not see the fury. And, and again, you have this contrast because the day before, the censors brought judgment, and now Aaron's censor is staying judgment. That's right. So you have kind of this contrast going on again, just re kind of reemphasizing the, the point that uh, holy objects in the hands of the wrong people can be extremely destructive, but in the hands of the right people they can bring great great blessing. If we see the value of a high priest in this story saving the people. How much more than Yeshua, our Lord? Go ahead, you? I was just wondering if you think, if think they could see the plague, if it was something visible or not. I, I'm absolutely convinced that yes, at least Aaron could, because he had to know when he could stop and drop, turn and rock. Stop. He had to. I mean, he had to know where he could stop Drop. 
<laughs> is he just stopping with dead people? He couldn't. There's a plague is continuing. He's got to go past it to be able to turn around and stop it. Unbelievable. It mean it's yes, you're right. It doesn't mean it's invisible. It's visible, right? I was going to ask I just if he could put up the smoke to protect him. What protected him as he was running through the people back past the plague? He's not facing the plague. The plague behind him. He's running through it. He's running through it. So he's went from in front of him to in the He's middle. not looking at it. it. It kind of reminds me of like when it's hailing and <laughs> Moses goes to yeah. Pharaoh. I'll pray for you after I get out of the city where the where all the stuff is falling. Yeah. How's that work? Makes it makes it all the way through, just shows up, stops the hail. Do you think do you think that he uh, he kind of tried to dodge them or he just walked? Just knowing hot. I know the guy who's yeah. <clears throat> Oh, we don't need that one. <laughs> wow, it's on fire. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Or did he realize if God wants to take me out, he will. And I know God will protect me. I don't need the asbestos umbrella. Asbestos umbrella. Well, Stop the plague. So I think that could have been factor. I mean, whether it was lit or not, or yeah. not lit, or yeah, I, I, I always kind of picture it with smoke as he was carrying it the whole way. But maybe that's protected him as I, well. well. I think and we have been through with Aaron of making mistakes, and yet because he's a representative for as a high priest. Yes. He's in a different category. Category. Yeah. I'm with you. He's, he's been demonstrated to be in a different category. Through negligence or false understanding, or whatever he does, he doesn't ever personally bear the consequences of those yeah. mistakes. Yeah. People around him might, or the males might, but then he's always used as the one who brings. He's the, a fixer. Yeah. He's a fixer. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, I'm, Morgan, I'm, I'm going to disagree with you that um, in the back end of verse 12, there he placed the incense. This is after and provided atonement for the people. So I, I get the impression. I may be wrong. It says take your sins and put incense in it along with the fire from the altar. Correct. So they had fire it would be well, burning. What, what, what did he do when he placed the incense and provided atonement? To me, in the second half of, uh, of that verse. He poked it into the ground. Like, placed it. Okay, could be. I think it's a stretch to say that he was trying to use the smoke not to see the fury. Mm. That seems like a stretch. Could be. Yeah. Again, I'm just but trying a, to... But it's a mystical stretch. Yeah. It doesn't make it <laughs> yeah. I, all, all, I, all I'm trying to do is try and paint a picture so you see it more than you just read it and it's just words on a page. And I may be wrong. I'll grant you that. So, but it sounds cool. For my clarification, just to understand, that he was taking a sensor. It was like this round... Like a fire pit. Bowl type deal, and that's what he was burning the incense in, correct? Um, it was some type of utensil used for that purpose, and it surely had a handle. Okay, so I'm just picturing him running with this thing. Yeah, I, he's probably carrying it like this. Okay, if it's smoking, I don't it could have been like Mr. Waiter. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. But anyway, I'm picturing him. Oh, oh, oh! Yeah, I've got the fire in it. I guess I'm agree with you. Crap! It went out. A, oh no! I'm just from like a just from like a just running with something in my hands. You know, since I don't see this thing smoking as I'm running with it like this, because I think this is. I agree. 
smoke in my eyes. I can't yeah. see where I'm going. Can't see where you're going. You trip over the dead bodies. I hate that. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> the beard filters. The beard. <laughs> the beard filters it. Yeah. The be- oh, 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 oh. <laughs> yeah. I hate it when the beard catches fire. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> Yes, I beg your pardon. Go ahead. No, well, good. remembering, if I'm, I think I am remembering correctly, incense burning being repre- symbolic of prayer. Yes. Lifting up prayer. The, the scriptures bear that and, in the apostolic scriptures. I can't scripture. remember now what it was that Greg had said about the burning of incense just a little bit ago. Well, there. Tying in prayer with what you were saying. Well, I was focused not so much on the incense itself, but on the censer. But it's a vessel. Censer is a vessel. But the the prayer really is the smoke, to me, would be more powerful than the censer itself. It's a vessel. We're a vessel. And our protection is really talking to God, beseeching God to do whatever we're needing in our own lives and it just seems to me that prayer really is the focus the smoke is the focus and the frankincense myrrh cinnamon i remember some stuff it's a special yeah special yeah and and you're not to make it try to duplicate it it's that special so the burning of that is really it's really the the burning of it. Yeah, no question. I, and I think you, you've, you've helped me argue against Peter here. I mean, it's clearly, it's not the incense sensor. Correct. It's what's it's coming out product. of it. Right. It's what's coming out of it. Absolutely. The smoke is the focus here. By the way, did, did any of you realize this is the only time ever that this smell was outside of the tabernacle? This smell was only in there, and when the temple was built, it was only in the temple. Penalty of death if this particular mixture was made anywhere outside. This smell never went outside, except this one time. Yes, ma'am. This is for Brock. Um, coming from a Catholic background, priests at one time or another would have censors. Swinging the ball. It's like a ball with it's, okay. it's a little container with a lid on it, but it's full of holes. Oh. And so they put the stuff in there, and the smoke comes out, and they they wave it at the people, and the smoke kind of permeates the whole congregation. Oh, no, 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 yeah. Uh, you know, it's amazing. The Catholic Church seems to have uh, an uncanny ability to copy Jewish stuff. So who knows what the incense thing looked like here? But if the Catholics got it right, it's a ball on a chain. You know. Yeah. 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 For the Temple Institute. Yeah, they got some that hang on. on, on a little on chain. Yeah, almost like. Or yeah, like a like a candle holder kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Like okay. That's that's exactly right. It's, uh, <laughs> we go to the Italian cohort. Yes. Okay. We move to the staffs. Verse 21, Moses spoke to the children of Israel and all their leaders gave him a staff for each leader, a staff for each leader according to their father's house, 12 
staffs, and Aaron's staff was among their staffs. Why is that mentioned? Why wouldn't you expect his staff to be there? In all the past listings of like the princes of the, of the he's tribe, he's not the leader. Listed exactly right. Well, and isn't the point here is God was making a point that Aaron is the guy, but just to prove it. I'm going to put Aaron with all you guys, and then it's like drawing straws. You don't know which staff is who right. until. Mm -hmm. Are the staffs identifiable? Yes. <clears throat> yes. How do you know? <laughs> It'd be a little circular. How do you know? Thank you, Morgan. What happened with the story of Judah? He turns aside to lie with the harlot. It turns out to be Tamar, his daughter-in-law, who's dressed as a harlot in order to entice him. And he can't pay for the service. Was he, he leave? His staff and his signet and his what appears to be his, his cord or his, we would say his zitzi. Yeah. So, don't know, but certainly the staff was identifiable. We know because tomorrow is going to be taken out and not stoned, but burned. Well, they didn't have the yeah. Exactly right. Yeah. So they're told to put their names on it, and obviously it was a regular habit because we see later on in the scripture, certainly identifiable. Moses came to the tent of testimony, and behold, the staff of Aaron of the house of Levi had blossomed. It brought forth a blossom, sprouted a bud, and almonds ripened. Fruit. Overnight. <laughs> I'm working weeks here to get a tomato overnight. Unbelievable. Is it is it just that his staff turned green and everybody else's was sort of a grayed out silver colored cedar deal? No. Can you see that it's not just there's a little bit of life in this stick? Mm. It's over the top. We've got it blossoming, which means we have a flower. We have it budding, which means there's yet another one. And we have the fruit. It has borne fruit. And the fruit is ripened. Extraordinary. Yes? I was going to say, it's cool that this ends up in the ark. Where, yeah. You know, yes. Yeah. describes the things that are in there. So we've got the manna, the staff, and the... Oh, uh, right? Let's rephrase that, Gregory. Do we have the living bread? Do we have the living stick? And we have the living word of God, maybe? Okay, yeah. There's a whole lot of life in that box, baby. And it's shaped like a coffin. Oh! <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Yes, sir? They have coffins back then. Yeah. Of course they had coffins. What are you going to do, bury the guy in the ground? Yeah. Rick, did you have something? Uh, well, I mean, I'm reminded of... There's an interesting thing with almonds is that it's, it's, it's known that it takes three weeks uh, for this to occur and actually God makes a reference to that in, in Jeremiah. That's it's correct. You see the almonds, you know it's three weeks, right? right? And it's during this time that we brought up Tammuz between, it's the time between our troubles. It's, you know, from 17 to 9th of Av, it's three weeks. It's an interesting thing that 
We've got almonds right. here. Mm. And it's overnight. Almonds are always a very important thing. Any, anything having to do with the temple is either going to have Caribbean or almonds. almonds. Yeah, that's exactly right. And in fact, goes it's a it's a even to this day, it's a timing marker in the land. Yes, go ahead. Did, did you have something, or were you just? Huh? Mm -hmm. I like that. I do that too. <laughs> so put the rod of Aaron before the testimony, keep it as a sign against the rebels, um, and to put an end to uh, an end to their grumblings against me, so that so that they don't die. So we've established that this budding rod of Aaron is a picture of resurrection, right? So resurrection is the sign of God. Yeah. Okay. Which of course, you know, now when we when we look at Yeshua, what you know, what did Yeshua say? They you know, they said, give us a sign, I'll give you one sign, the sign of Jonah. You know, Jonah was in the belly of the whale three days, three nights. He's dead. You can't live inside in, in the belly of the whale or, or fish, whatever, for three days and not die. So he is in essence dead for all intents and purposes, but he comes up, he comes back. And that's the sign that Yeshua said. It's the only sign I'm giving is the sign of Jonah, right? Which is resurrection. Mm -hmm. Kind of links back to this. And one thing that I that jumped out at me in last week's portion with spies is God got so upset with them because He said, "How long will these people see my signs, see my wonders, uh, and yet refuse to believe?" So, like, literally seeing with their own eyes, right? Right. Um, and the generation that saw God's miracles um, coming out of Egypt and in the wilderness, they're called a wicked generation because they refused to believe. Did not enter into his rest. Exactly. It's interesting when we then get to the generation that saw physically saw Yeshua walking on the planet. What did he do while he walked on the planet? Miracle after miracle after miracle, so many miracles that they can't all be written down. People saw the miracles and the signs. They saw him die, right? They, you know, they didn't believe. They didn't believe the and, miracles. They and mocked him while on the cross, right? So they turn him over to the Romans to be crucified. They see him die. They see him go into the grave. Three days later, he comes out of the grave. Okay, now what's interesting, one thing that jumped out in the last in the last week's portion is because we were because we were received the bad news as opposed to the good news, the two spies who established truth, the ten that didn't, right? We received the bad news, we were um, the sentence was after Moses intercedes, the sentence was, okay, fine, I'm not gonna kill them, but they're not going into the promise and they're gonna wander around in the in the desert for forty years. A year for every day that they saw the the, the 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 plenty and saw everything that I was providing for them, right? It, it's something that kind of jumped out at me um, last week as I was studying is we see that Yeshua he dies and he's resurrected, and how many days did he walk around on the planet after his resurrection before mm -hmm. he was taken up? 40. 40. Okay, so you saw the signs he did. You saw the miracles, the healings. You saw him walk on the water. You saw all this stuff. And you didn't believe, and you turned him over to the Romans to, to be crucified. Now he comes out of the grave, and now you see him 
walking around for 40 days, right? Or at the very least, you heard eyewitness accounts of it, right? You have no excuse. There is no excuse. You've, seen, you've yeah. seen the signs, you've seen the wonders, there's no excuse. And if you did not receive him, woe is you, right? But what's interesting is what happened 40 years to the year after Yeshua's death and the resurrection? The temple was destroyed. So it's like the wicked generation that saw the hand of God coming out of Egypt and in the wilderness, they all perished within 40 years and were cut off. It's kind of like the same generation that saw Yeshua within 40 years they're they're cut off you know the temple's destroyed they're you know the Sadducees that ran the temple that were so corrupt anyway they're gone, gone. you know um, you've got the first Moses second Moses thing going here and it's extraordinary again this portion top shelf you you can't miss Messiah Yeshua here it's over and over in every instance everything that happens and Point resurrection is the sign. Resurrection is the key here. No question. Yes, ma'am. Okay, I have a question. So the rod itself represented priesthood? The priest? You know, like they all... Got I think it represented resurrection. Resurrection, okay. Because I was thinking, this is, there's a scripture, I don't remember what it was about, the scepter will not... Depart uh, from, from, yeah. from Judah. So I, I thought that's used Messiah Yeshua, and I just thought that the budding of that rod and the almonds and all that has to really do with Messiah Yeshua because uh, that's that scepter. It does, but it's, it's not the scepter. scepter. It's not. Yeah, I mean, you, you can't say it is, but I mean, it, you just... Um, I just thought maybe the scepter there, referred to... Sure. The scepter is for the tribe of Judah. Yeah, the scepter is for tribe of Judah. This was the tribe of Aaron. So I think, you know, we've got... He is prophet. He is priest. He is king. And we've got separate analogies that we can look back to all over. This one, I think... Clearly pointing to resurrection and clearly pointing to who God's selected person is. Mm -hmm. Who is that anointed one? In this story, it's Aaron. In the later stories, it's Yeshua. No, no question. But that uh, the scepter one, I think we're going to see later on, because as king, it's real important. And in fact, um, the the thing that uh, where's my goodbye? The thing that we were supposed to add today to that um, Haftarah reading was one more verse from First uh, Kings, I think, where Jonathan says well, to David... I'm sorry? No, it actually, it's, it's Samuel. Samuel? That whole section. Yeah, well, it's, it's just one... It's just the whole chapter. Okay. Because it's, because it's the day before Rosh Kodesh. You know, tomorrow is Rosh Kodesh. How can you not show up? And, you know, the whole Davidic thing and... Yeah. King shifting, but it's good. Good. All right. Final comments. Yes, sir. The reason it's an almond is in support of what Greg is saying is because the almond is in Hebrew is related to the eye. Right. To see. So the almond is is representative of you must see. I mean, you see the resurrection in this case. Yeah. Well, I mean, to to his point, the menorah is described almond blossoms. It's the eyes. And even the Talmud says, if you turn back and look at it, it looks like seven eyes. We see that again at the beginning of the book of Revelation as well. Tied to this concept of seeing, right? Again, after after Yeshua's resurrection, we have the story of doubting Thomas, right? He hears the report that 
you know, that he's been resurrected, he's not in the tomb, well, I'm not going to leave until I can see. So, voila, Yeshua appears, right, comes walking through the wall or whatever it was, and here I am, Thomas, see my hands, see my side. And Thomas saw and believed, and what did Yeshua say? Blessed Blessed are they who do not see and and believe. So there's there's a big lesson here. Seeing and believing is incredibly important. Seeing and not believing is incredibly stupid, dangerous. Not seeing, not seeing and believing is top is top notch. Yeah. The question is, what if you don't see and don't believe? Stop Next week's class. Joseph, yes, ma'am. I beg your Scripture where the father says something like, I believe, help my unbelief. It's yes. Yes, the disciples. Yeah, that's not the father. Who is it? Is that Peter? It's when it's when it's when he comes and Thomas. I believe, help my unbelief. Where is it? Like they couldn't heal the 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 son. Oh, that's it. That was played by the demon. He came down off the mountain. Yeah. Yeah. This one only comes out with. Yeah. This one only comes out through fasting and prayer. I believe it. Help me. Oh, it's the father of the guy. Yeah. I do you believe that I can do this? Yeah. Of course I believe it. Help 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 my unbelief here. Yeah. That's good. That's good. I like it. Yes, ma'am. you know, when you were talking about the staff and the budding and you said that, you know, can you can you believe this? And I guess, you know, I know what Joe was saying this morning and I was thinking, look, here we are, we read it too. We didn't see it in that way, but we are seeing as best as we can in Scripture, and yet we're saying in the next part where he does something miraculous again that, can you believe this? And like um, Jonathan said, it's like that's our nature. We just will never be able to encapsulate his the things he does, I guess. That's part of it. That's why I think that it's not weird that they would say the next day or because we are so strange like that. We just cannot. Um, we just can't. We're just not near those kind of things. We just are nothing like that. It's I would, just I would, too big for us. I would argue that that is a learned response. And the Master says, if you have faith like a child, you got it. It's a learned response. We have been poisoned being on this planet in the state in which it is. I'll tell you what. You grab your granddaughter. Throw her up in the air. She knows you're going to catch her, and she starts to laugh. Because she knows. She's not at all concerned about falling on her face six feet down because she knows you love her and you will care for her and you will catch her she knows it is a learned response where we harden our hearts over time and do not accept the love of God and his power and his care for us it's a shame I'll tell you another shame it's been a learned response being a believer and, you know, just trying to, um, not trying to even, but naturally or just by, by what I've been taught, just answering the questions you said, how did Moses know that? How did he know that? 
how did Aaron run? He's an elder. You know, and for me, I want to say the Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. <laughs> it's the Holy Spirit because that's simple. And I can I can um, not try to do what all of you are doing, and that is seeking and searching and seeing that, wow, there was real depth to the scriptures and proverbs and everywhere I read seek and you shall find and it's seek for it as for hidden treasures and search for it as for as fine gold and I'm thinking oh I had no idea I had no idea what that would mean there are so many so many aspects to all of this you all come in with all these different things and I think the beauty of it, it is it is beautiful great? but it's yeah. frustrating too it is great but there's Putting a frustration the for me because it's well. like Oh my gosh, will well, I ever be able to grasp this? Well, let me, let me try and encourage you. Thank you. I'm standing up here. I'm standing up here because I don't know the answers, Karen. I know a few of the answers. And I know he knows a few of the answers. And I know he knows a few more. In fact, he knows everything. He knows everything else. You know, my point is, I'm sick and tired of just reading it and saying, oh, it's, a, it's the Holy Spirit. I'm you sick and done that for a while. I'm sure. I, well, I'm am sick and tired of just reading it and going, oh yeah, that's cool. Yeah, uh, yeah. I read it. No, you know what I think about Karen? I think about two men older than me laying on their chests on the ground. Have you ever laid on the ground? How long has it been since you got out there and laid on the ground, face down, in the dirt? How long has that been? Now, you lift your face up, and there's all kinds of sweat and dust and crap all over your face. And you lean over with really bad breath and say to your brother, you better get up and get some incense, get up. <laughs> Book, you got to go. And the plague is already on its way. And he looked at him and didn't go, are you kidding, man? I'm tired. Uh, I think I hurt my knee when I got down here. In fact, I think I pulled something. You know, no, that is the spirit. but that's well. I I don't question the spirit of God was involved, but I I want to feel the muscle. This guy, this man, maybe he was my age. He did a push up, threw his right leg forward, and got up off the ground. I can barely do that now. <coughs> he did it. I want to remember that he did it. It was physical. It wasn't the spirit. The spirit may have motivated him, but he got his butt off the ground. And he ran in there, got the fire, got the pan, and ran that way because he had to. I'll stand up here and I'll, I'll try and get us to talk about this because I have to. You have to teach your son-in-law, your daughter, and your granddaughter. You have to. Because there is nobody else. It's on your shoulders. And it was on those guys' shoulders, and they did it. And if there's anything I want to learn from this, it's that it's up to me. God has shown me the truth. I'm, I'm not brilliant. He has chosen to show me the truth, and it's my responsibility to make sure we talk about it. That's what I want to get out of this. And I'm learning along with you. And I learn from you. And I learn with you. And sometimes you and I get blessed because we've got other young men and older men in this room that have studied it more than we have. But Karen, we're in the same boat, and we're all heading in that direction.
if there's anything that this community stands for, is that we're all going in the same direction. Yes, sir. Just to add on to that, and, and thank you for your kind comments, but actually I'm, I take things exactly the opposite. I used to think that I needed to know everything. Now I'm content to know that I don't know everything, and it encourages me to learn. And in and in in classical Christianity that has got got all of the theology nice and neat and packaged and in a box and it's completely understandable to everyone and it's all known. They're constantly looking for you know new way angles and new ways to discuss what everybody knows. And and instead of admitting that we don't know, and that's that's what we need to and that's what Joseph really was saying is we don't know that's the great thing about this because God wants us in the process of discovery he reveals himself and that's we want to learn and 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 you know because you know me that I only pick on the two of you because you know we all are going to pick on you guys (laughs) Um, but it's true why do we go through the portion every year why do I learn something every Every year (laughs) it's it's because of well, this very thing. Day. We don't know it all. <laughs> but you know what? God didn't call us so that we might know it all. God called us that we'd be obedient. And while we're on the path, the derrick, the way, if someone comes alongside and says, why are you doing this? Why are you going in that direction? Why are you walking this way? you can at least tell them why you're doing what you are doing. And say, we don't have all the answers, but we're studying together. And while we're studying, we're living. And we live together. I am sharpens my own. As one man sharpens another. Amen. Well, I think, I think if I'm hearing what you're saying, that it's, and, and I understand where Karen's coming from, the Holy Spirit and church per se it can be a very superficial understanding but as you are saying I believe it's more experience experiential it's more feeling and seeing visionary of sorts seeing and feeling what actually happened and it might be a fabrication of our imagination but at least we're going a little deeper when we do that. Amen. We're wanting to really just... Amen. That's exactly right. Amen. I don't know if it's Isaiah 57 or Psalm 33, but from the prayers this morning and from the prayers every Shabbat, by the mouth of the upright shall you be lauded. Who are the upright? That's us. By the words of the righteous shall you be blessed. Who's the righteous? That's us. You want to play that game? Oh, I'm not righteous. I'm a sinner. Uh, excuse me. Hasn't the hasn't the righteousness of Messiah been imputed to you? Aren't you living righteously? Aren't you keeping the Torah? Aren't your deeds righteous? Well, you're the, you're the righteous, so you should be blessing God. By the tongue of the devout shall you be exalted. Who 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 are the devout? Yeah, surprise. It's it's us. Yeah, and amid the holy, the ones who have been set apart, the ones who 
have set themselves apart and who have been set apart shall he be sanctified, which means to be set apart. Jerry. One thing it might help too, as you always express great comments from your oldest son, mm-hmm. my oldest son initially said, the Torah is our constitution. It's our foundation. You can't know the rest of the Bible unless you know the foundation. This is why I'm in this community. This is, and thank you for allowing me in. But this is the reason I'm in this community. And this is the reason I'm now. Still. We had a lot of debate about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How many rights can you have? We were first. That's right. That's right. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You were first. Good point. You but anyway, my, my point is, I mean, I, I mean, I even look at it with the United States Constitution. If we only knew the United States Constitution, how much better our country would be. Amen. Just like if we only knew the Constitution or the foundation of the Bible, how much our spiritual life would be. That's right. And that's why I, I mean, we're commanded to do it, but this is why I'm doing it. I want to know the foundation of Scripture. And the only way you can know the foundation of Scripture is to study it or study the Constitution. I don't know if that helps out a lot too. But to me, it does because I tell you what, and you know this: the study class, the meeting here right now, is nothing but an invitation. And I used to give it every Shabbat. It used to start out something like this: It's Shabbat. My family prays on Shabbat. We're going to pray whether you're here or not. So you're welcome to come and pray with us. That's what started this community. It's not because we've got our act together. It's because we're trying to learn. And it's a whole lot more fun to learn with you than without you. Just just to pick up on that concept of the analogy of the Constitution, because it's dead on. Torah is a constitution for God's people. But even if you kind of think about it in the, con- in the context of the Constitution of this country, right? That, that, the Constitution of the United States by and large, is held as a sacred document, is it not? It is. Okay. As it should be. (laughs) Yeah. And yet, we have entire bodies of laws that have been adjudicated from the sacred document by men and women of stature. Which is to say that the Torah is a constitution, but the application in our daily walk requires some um, adjudication. And there comes the holocaust. We need case law. Oh, wait, we have case law. (laughs) Folks, I'm tired of sitting down, aren't you? (laughs) (laughs) Behold, we perish we are lost. We are all lost. Everyone who approaches closer to the tabernacle of Adonai will die. Will we ever stop perishing? And thus, the remainder of our portion, as I think somebody said I think we were eating um, the rest it was you the rest of it is all about how special it is to be set apart 
for service to God. In this case, it's this family and it's this group. I am content to learn what God would have me to do personally as a man, personally as a husband, personally as a father, personally as a grandfather, personally as a friend. And that's what this walk is all about. Let's pray. Good Father, we thank you for the Word of God, the opportunity to learn it with friends and family. We thank you, Father, that you don't call us and forget us. You don't call us and frustrate us. But you've called us with a higher calling that we might serve you as we await your return. We pray that your Son would come soon, quickly and in our days, that he would reign in your city, Jerusalem, that we would have the opportunity to worship him and serve him openly. I thank you for the people here, Father, and I thank you for Korak's portion and for the reminder that dissing Moses is always a bad idea. I pray that we would recognize the parallels between Moses and the arduous, often tedious nature and time that you took to tell us all about his life, that we might see in him the second Moses and true Messiah, Yeshua. Father, grant us strength as we walk this walk, diligence, determination, Help us to pray for one another and to physically help one another in this walk. We pray these things, B'Shem Yeshua HaMashiach Adonai, in the name of Yeshua the Messiah and our Lord. And all these set-apart ones said, Amen. Amen. Thank you, folks. Thank you, God.